Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to BWI Live. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. A lot of stuff changing here this spring for Blue White Illustrated, the BWI Daily Edition. After some conversations, after looking at what we've been doing over the past year, we really wanted to be more interactive with you guys. We wanted to be with you live as much as possible. We had an awesome group of people that were in the chat during every show, and uh, because we were live to tape and not live live on YouTube, we couldn't interact with you the way that we wanted to. So in order to fit this uh, correctly into everyone's lives and to try and make this as interactive as possible, we're trying something new this spring. This is the first BWI Live morning show where we're going to come live to you in the morning. Now, that time is going to be variable here going forward. We're going to try and find out what works best for you and for us. So um, here today, we're going live at 9.30. The other day, we went live at about 9.15 with some breaking news. Um, So leave your comment in the chat. What time would you want to see a show? We'll also be doing a formal poll over at bluewhiteillustrated.com in the Lion's Den message forum for all of our regulars who watch the show there as well. And we're going to figure this out. So stay with us. We're going to do our best to make sure that we get this as interactive and as uh, as possible for everybody so that we're all together here uh, having a conversation about Penn State football and basketball. And I say and basketball because uh, I want to bring everybody in here. Nate Bauer pulling uh, both ends of the candle here, burning both ends of the candle up here 
And he's also going to be covering basketball tonight, very late in NCAA tournament. So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. And everyone give Nate a round of applause. Well Cheers. done. He's got at least Cheers. two naps before he uh, gets to this game. So Yeah, I was, I was going to say there's zero chance that I make it to a 10 p.m. game without uh, a nap in there. So, you know, hey, we'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit of basketball. We've got a um, little bit more stuff going on here on the show today. I'm very excited for this. I've wanted to introduce more show elements into the show. So we're going to be bringing you, I hope, something really engaging entertainment over the next 35, 45 minutes. The first thing, though, guys, is uh, the, the topic of the day, the top of the of the week. Penn State football spring practice is here. The three of us were at practice on Tuesday. Uh, we all consumed and listened to what head coach James Franklin had to say. We're going to get to that uh, in a little bit, but right now, Tuesday, the 10 minutes we get, it's always a fun thing to go, hey, what'd you see? Terms and conditions apply that we understand. It doesn't mean as much as what you might think, but Nate, you were with the offense. Um, yeah. What what sort of impressions did you come away with? I, you know, I really zeroed in on Nick Singleton's calves. They just, they look more defined. I don't know about you guys. Maybe <laughs> like, uh, okay. All right. The quarterbacks look like the quarterbacks drew Aller through nice passes. Look, and I put this in, in the notes. Uh, let's, let's put it all out there. Let's just talk about this. The, the rumor of, uh, drew Aller being cited on, uh, you know, a scooter with a boot in February, like there were legs to that, right? There was, there was a reality uh, of that having happened. And so uh, in between when that happened, which was, I think the last week in February, right? In between that and now we saw Drew at a lifting session, right? In which he did not lift, but was walking around and looked okay. And then the more, obvious thing was there were these social media posts of him running, running around looking great, right? Like training at home in Ohio in which he's, he's dashing around and looks like Pat Mahomes out there. So, uh, you know, between those two things, it was like, okay, well, yes, whatever it was must not have been that serious. And you're able to see them. You're able to see him, I should say on Tuesday in the flesh with your own eyes, run around throwing the football look fine. So like Crisis averted. is that it, yeah, I mean is that is that a story? Uh I would say it's a it's an it's officially reached non-story status, but James Franklin even talked about it in his press conference on Tuesday. So let like let's not act like there was nothing, but also that something is not big enough to rise to the level of an issue, right? And so right. that's massively important for Penn State football this spring and moving forward. Fitz, how did you handle that whole thing this offseason with with Drew Aller? And I, I know that this is um, uh, these conversations are always, you know, first off, if you wanted all the up to date information, blueitillustrated.com lines and message board is where you would go to get all this stuff. But how did you view this and handle that conversation? Because as Nate said, it wasn't nothing, but it never really amounted to anything. So how much did you put into something like that? This this offseason? He has a lot of breath holding because as Nate mentioned, there were, I mean, there's something missed a little bit of time and that's worrisome anytime that you have a prominent figure like a quarterback there. So it it, t- it took a lot of our attention. But I will say this. People don't understand. Penn State's approach on injuries 
outside to the public is not much different than their their approach in private. So like getting information on injuries is I, I'm not holding all the inf- all the injury information from you. Like it's tough to get that stuff. So the ambiguity is the biggest thing because we talk to people about it and you know there's there's a lot of spinning gray area stuff like that. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of unknown. Uh, he did not lift in that last session. Um, went home, worked with, uh, worked with his trainer, trainer, Brad looked very good. Um, so that take, takes some worry away. And then you've got, uh, you know, you've got, you got him popping up on Tuesday. So very happy to put it in the past is the way that I would, I would label this. <laughs> um, so I'm hopefully, you know, hopefully it's not something, not an issue that crops up again. Um, and, uh, yeah, just move forward because, you know, he's, I don't want to call it a, com- a competition because we expect Drew to be the starter next year, but Bo's pretty good too. Like every time I looked mm-hmm. over, I saw Bo throwing a deep ball and it looked different than I'm used to seeing Bo throw. Like Bo yeah. was a, an athlete playing quarterback that, you know, could throw the ball as accurate, whatever, couldn't push the ball down the field. I was watching the defense. So set up in Haluba is we all sit on the sideline. Defense is on one half of the field. Offense is on the other. I'm down here at the defense. So I'm, you know, taking a peek every so often down to uh, down to the quarterbacks and Bo Perbula's throwing the hell out of the ball. Like it looked like it had more zip on it, right? Like that was my observation as well. I mean, deep, I mean, deep ball. I want to say right there with Aller, but like better than I expected from Bo knowing what I've known from Bo since he was a freshman in high school. So that's encouraging. I will say the optimism in the program is not just because they want to keep him. I think there's an element to that. You know, it's a transfer portal. He's a quarterback. There's those things add up. Um, but like they're legitimately excited about Bo Prabula and in another time without that other guy there, he's probably your starter. So that's, uh, I think that's something to take away from it. Again, I was on the defensive field, but every time I looked over, um, those quarterbacks, uh, throwing some pretty good balls. And I must say, it's funny to see freshman quarterbacks, January quarterbacks come in because it is Drew who's big, it is Bo, <laughs> who is big in his own way, not tall. And then Jackson, who looks like, Toby Maguire and the first Spider-Man movie. Like he's a, he's a little guy compared to uh, compared to those other guys. So um, it's, it's a cool uh, process of transition between those guys. So it's uh, it's pretty great. So yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, it, it's been fun to watch that progress. It, it is. You make a great point. Looking at Perbula, he looked bigger than he was last year at this time because he looked like Smolik a year ago in terms of he didn't really fit his pads. Now he looks like a college quarterback. And that's all. That was one thing that I was interested in in his development was natural arm strength. What Drew Aller has that is different, you know, like the, that's a special quality. But most quarterbacks through their progression early in school can get a little bit stronger. Like their arm can get a little bit better, especially if it's a guy like Perbula that has a little bit more to give in terms of physically getting bigger, his legs getting stronger. Um, You know, like not to make a crazy comparison, but in the NFL, guys like Drew Brees, they don't throw with their arm. They throw with their body. That's how those guys generate power. So can can he get stronger? Can he get bigger? And and I noticed the same thing. There, there was a lot more zip on his ball this year compared to last year. Uh, Nate, you you were up close and personal with the running backs. And a, a quick story. One time I called Dwight Galt to ask if the reason Saquon Barkley was so athletic and elusive was because his calves were so huge. So you're well, not the only person noticing running natural. back calves. He no, laughed I, and said you should see his quads. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So any, I did, I any other observations from those guys when uh, when you were looking at the running backs? Uh, and again, I mean, this is, this is 
not in the vein of like, hey, do, do they look physically radically different? That, those are things that I notice, and I don't think that they do. Um, even though there, I guess there were some weight changes for some of those guys. The thing that stands out to me about the running backs is you just have this the, the depth, right? <laughs> the the drop off from Nick Singleton and Catron Allen, who, hey, surprise, surprise, are like the old guys in the room now. Tank Smith has some years in him, but he's a walk on. Uh, doesn't have a ton of carries in his career, so like that that pronounced difference between hey here's one and two the, these are the guys that everybody's banking on for Penn State to to get where they want to go this season like that's great but then you see the guys with them and like is are one of the walk-ons can one of the walk-ons climb to the level or rise to the level of being a legitimate option right before uh, London Montgomery and Cam Wallace get in to, to Penn State this summer. So, like, I think that that's a, a real storyline. I think that's a real thing because I wrote a story about it yesterday. They're going to have – they're going to try to balance how much work Catron uh, and Nick get this spring. And I don't think Catron and Nick are of the same wavelength, right? Like, those guys want to compete. They want to play. They want to – they want to do all the same stuff. Uh, but Penn State and James Franklin, how we talked about it on Tuesday was look, we're, you know, we're gonna get a ton of reps to the backups, to to the three walk-ons and and get those guys as much action as we possibly can because you know what you have in Katron and Nick. Well, okay, that, that's fine. That might be your approach, but uh certainly those guys are are such competitors, they're so fierce about it that I I find it difficult to believe that. They're going to be okay with not really being full participants in this spring. Is is it full participation or is it just they're going to get they're going to get their reps and then that's going to be it? They're not going to get extra reps because there's no third and fourth guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that they're going to be like held out for long durations of time, but uh, will it be maybe lighter than a normal spring practice for that position? Yeah, I would, I would guess. I mean, yeah. they're right. They're going to be treated differently this spring than they were last year as true freshmen. There's no question about that. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just think it's going to be a little bit of a different experience in terms of how Penn State wants to handle them. Which is, it's you know, this exists at lots of positions and lots of lots of different areas on the field. It's just, it, it's kind of pronounced in my mind this spring. Fitz, what did you, you saw a couple highlights there if you're watching here on YouTube. Um, and by the way, if you're listening on our podcast version, always appreciate you guys. Make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching the video, please like the video and uh, subscribe to Blue White Illustrated on YouTube. Super helpful. Fitz, what did you see on the defensive side of the ball? We focus a lot on the offense, but there's a lot of interesting names and faces over on defense. So what stood out to you? Well, just remember, we talked to Chuck Losey before spring break, and everyone is a full participant regardless of anything that they do. So uh, just keep that in mind when you're talking about the running backs. Defensively, um, not a ton to take away. A lot of the focus was on defensive line because Deion Barnes was taking over. Torrance Brown, as we said on the show and then reported uh, the other day, is back as a GA. Um, so it would be interesting to see. That's a giant lack of, of like years of experience uh, coaching that defensive line. So we'll see w whether that tactic uh, takes off right away or not. Um, but when we take these uh, practices in, we get to see kind of the linebackers front and center, safeties are front and center, corners are right there, and then the defensive line is on the other side. So not much you could take away from that. I will say with linebacker, um, you know, we talk about this, we talked about this a lot last spring. 
it's uh, it's a numbers game. They're they're a little bit thin right there uh, with some injuries that they have. So some guys will get some more chances. We saw a couple of freshmen step up in Tony Rojas and Tamir Tamir Robinson. Tamir looks giant, like absolutely. I mean, he's not quite Abdul Carter because uh, that not many people are Abdul Carter, but you know he's a guy that can stand in that level. Um, so that's pretty uh, pretty interesting to see that happen. Uh, I think it's going to be a very big spring for Kobe King. Uh, he was out there with the first team. Uh, Tyler Elston a bit limited right now, so. Um, I think that that is those are the guys that you got to look to to take steps this uh, th- this spring. You kind of know what you've got with Carter, although he needs to get better. You kind of know what you've got with with uh, Curtis Jacobs at Sam. He also needs to get better as well. So just very interesting uh, transition period with the linebackers because the numbers there are getting better, but they're not quite to the point where you've got a full two or three deep that you can run out with scholarship players. A couple walk ons working through there as well. Um, we get the safeties, and again, I've been writing so much about KJ Winston and Zaki yeah. Wheatley. I'm going to lean to Winston right now just because of, of the things I've seen and the things I've heard. I think the kids can be really good. Um, so it's just a matter of breaking through there. Jalen Reed is practicing. He had surgery this offseason, so that's good to see. Keaton Ellis is still out there. The safety group, I think, is, is going to be fine. Like We had this show last week. Where's Penn State fine? Penn State lost uh, Tig Brown. It's going to be tough to replace him in several aspects, but they've got the talent to do it back at safety. And then corner, you know, Terry Smith is doing his thing. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Like they've got uh, three starters, basically in the outside corner. Uh, Storm Duck was out there. We got to see him running around. Johnny Dixon was with the first team and probably not talking enough about Cam Miller. So there you've got four guys right there. So you're thinking nine defensive backs when you uh, uh, add in Daquan Hardy, you've still got uh, Dakari Nelson coming in, King Mack coming in this summer. So I think Penn State should be just fine. It's those positions up front that we're talking, or positions up the middle that we're talking about, middle linebacker and defensive tackle. They're still going to have to get better because there's no Kaziah Izzard this spring. This is a guy that we talked about the other day as, as you know, this is the opportunity for him. This is the time for him to step in and, and be a starter, be a guy that can really um, – you know, bridge that gap from PJ to to this new defensive line, but they're not going to have him this spring or most of this spring. So we will see what happens with that defensive line. Very much wait and see, which is not really a position you're comfortable being at with the defensive line. Yeah, uh, especially not having Izzard out there, who's the one guy, if you look down the roster, experience, size, athleticism, this was his year to put it all together, and missing the spring is uh, is a bit of a bummer now that Obviously, if you're going to miss somebody, a guy with, with the amount of time he's gone through spring practice, maybe that's the one of the better ones to miss. But still, you'd like to be at full strength all the time. Um, I want to get to the safeties again. I just had a quick observation because normally, and this is inside uh, practice for all of us if you're watching, we don't get to see the safeties as much when we're outside. Um, just like we don't ever get to see the offensive line or the defensive line when we're inside. So I spent a good time, a good bit of time with the safeties, and I'll get to that in a second. But um, what was, what are your impressions so far of Storm Duck? You mentioned he was out there uh, with the second team. Just looks like game. What did he look like to you? What did he look like? It is March sadness here, uh, or this time of year. Um, I, nothing. I mean, you've got they were doing a pursuit drill, so he's playing second team cornerback. They're basically throwing a toss his way, and he's he's getting there. So no coverage skills, no real anything like that. Um, they're running through their uh, what they what they call the, the ball security drills on offense, but also on defense, their turnover drills. So just basically going station to station. So 
anything you're trying to take away on the in the big picture, you know, like Storm Duck, Malik McLean, you're not going to see them splash in the 15 minutes that we're out there. So yeah. I would tell you the good things I've heard about Storm Duck, but I'll be honest with you, like it's uh, there's not much you could take away from uh, the Tuesday practice for that. Which is why you should subscribe to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com because as the season goes on, as the spring season goes on, we will have more information to share. And the place that you get it first is BlueWhiteIllustrated.com in our premium content and the Lion's Den message forum. It is uh, 10 bucks right now to sign up for four months of access. So BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, you sign up now, you get all of their unfiltered thoughts or less filtered thoughts over at the site and you get some of that sweet sweet inside information the the last thing i will before we move on to our new segment is um just mentioning the safeties uh, one thing i picked up on and we'll see how this continues throughout the spring but you mentioned kj winston and i, I thought it was probably intentional that right behind him was the key wheatley in all of the drills they don't necessarily play the same position when you actually go out there and play on the field but when james franklin talks about stacking your group so that you've got the twos pushing the threes and the one behind the four. To me, that's a place where they're trying to put those two guys together to get the best out of each of them. So I'll be interested to see, like, first off, if I'm right about that, if they're going through drills, they're always competing with one another. And if that's, that is the case, how that goes this spring, because, uh, you know, Fitz and I have talked at length about how much we think those two can be very talented football players on the back end and the next generation of, of really good safeties for Penn State football. Uh, next up, a new segment here on uh, the BWI live show. It's called Between the Lines. Didn't know that well, whistle was coming there. <laughs> <laughs> I like the whistle. If you'll notice, I use it in a lot of different places. Uh, before we get to our new uh, segment, which is we are going to be playing James Franklin uh, quotes, and we are going to then interpret them. Nate Bauer here is our expert and resident soothsayer of James Franklin comments. So we are going to be reading between the lines here on the show. We've got two clips for you today. But before we get to that, I need to tell you about our sponsor of today's live show. As always... This is RogueShop.com, one of my favorite places, one of my favorite groups of people, because they've supported this show uh, since the very beginning when we went live uh, in the beginning of September with this full new lineup. RogueShop.com is a husband-wife outfit of Mr. Rogue, Richard, and Char, who are cra uh, craft cannabis farmers specializing in small batch sustainable it's not like I haven't done this all year. Sustainable plant medicine, a holistic type of small business. And these are the type of people you want to be able to, you want to support small businesses. Uh, I wouldn't say it's not exactly local, but shop small businesses help out those places that want to and can engage with you on a real level. When you go to their site, it's not a chat bot. You're actually talking to Char on the website. She can help you through any of the questions you have about their products, what they do, and how they can help you. This isn't just fun time giggle medicine. Although it can help there, it's here to relieve you of pain, stress, and anxiety. Uh, Mr. Rogue, Richard, he is a, a veteran, and one of his life missions here from what he and I have talked about is helping people with pain, uh, chronic pain, things that have destroyed uh, friends' lives things that have driven them to other forms of uh, medication. Some of them are not very healthy. Rogueshop.com. Use promo code BWI for 10% off. Let's them know you're coming from us, and uh, it gets you 10% off. Uh, and by the way, 
uh, we have some new product on the way. So I'm going to be able to tell you about something more than just the Delta 9 gummies. So I'm excited about that. We can uh, tell you more, give you more information about Rogue Shop. And that's what we do here. Uh, we give you information. So Nate, I want to start with your uh, comments you want to talk about. James Franklin speaking about Dion Barnes. Here's what he had to say. The other thing is a little bit like that was in that video is although Dion is a letterman and although the players and former players felt strongly about me hiring Dion, uh, ultimately I ha had to hire the right person. And, you know, if that ended up being Dion, then great. It's a win on a lot of different levels. Um, but, but I needed to make sure of that. And throughout that process, it just, it just became more and more obvious that this was the right thing to do. The players need to understand, and I know Dion addressed this with him yesterday, like this is not going to be the same Dion. Um, as much as he thinks he's going to be and as much as they think he's going to be, you know, when you're in a complimentary role uh, compared to, you know, running the show and running the room, there's a transition that happens. Um, and, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun and it's going to be exciting. And, and I also think we all got to play a part in that as well in, in, in supporting, you know, Dion in that room through this transition. And that would be for whoever we hired. So Nate, I want to come to you here. Uh, your thoughts, uh, what struck you about this comment that you wanted to talk about? Uh, it's probably fairly self-explanatory and, and maybe a little obvious, but Dion's 30 years old. Like that's young. He's a young yeah. guy. I mean, uh, not that I've been doing this forever, but in the, the the span of years that I've been covering Penn State football, I mean, it, it really was not that long ago that that Dion was one of the guys that that I was covering pretty closely in his time at Penn State. So Dion and um, I were in college together. Not yeah, like we were there at the same time. So yeah. But but it's and it's not about ready. age though. It's about experience. Like that's the thing. You've got guys coaching, being head coaches in the NFL in in their thirties. Like this is not a situation where you're looking at that. Now he took the, the roundabout way, played in the NFL, of course. I think played in the a, one of the iterations of the Pro Football League. So he took a little bit more time playing football. Um, got into it through the high school and then got into a grad school. I think that there, there's legitimate, you know, like concern. Like coaches always want the experienced guy, even if it's you know, maybe not the right guy that the fans want. Like they, they always want that experience because that experience brings with them uh, different practices, different, uh, it's just different methods of, of how to get the best out of players. And Dion's experience right now is, is all at Penn State. And it's all three years of being a grad assistant, which he, he, he alluded to in the second part. You can be a buddy as a grad assistant. You can be a mentor, yeah. you can be all those things. And you can be a mentor as a coach. I'm not, don't get me wrong, but I think it's different being a grad assistant and then being a position coach because the grad assistant isn't the one making the final say on a lot of things. And the position coach is you have um, to be the so, bad guy in a lot of situations. Yeah, he's going to have to be the bad guy eventually. And that's, you know, how, how do the guys that were, you know, pining for him to get the job, how do they handle that? And that's, those are questions that we can't answer until camp until probably fall camp, to be honest with you. Um, so I think those are the concerns now, tremendous upside. Like you, you can talk both, you can talk out of both sides of your mouth here because of the tremendous upside of him being 30 years old, him obviously being a rising star. If James Franklin didn't hire him right now, he might not get that chance to hire him. And, you know, we've seen guys that have gone on to, to big success when that, you know, when they don't fit that timeline. So uh, it's okay to be apprehensive, not so much about the age, but about the experience in, that's just my opinion. 
Yeah. Uh, Nate, do you have uh, some follow-up thoughts on on just the, the quote? And is that really... Is he outlining the reasons why maybe Dion wasn't uh, the immediate slam dunk, not going to hire anybody else sort of coaching search hire? Of here, here are the things we're concerned about, um, but we believe in him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it just makes sense. And he offered a window into that reality of everyone loves Dion. <laughs> like, there's, there's no, there's no confusion about that right and so when you like someone naturally uh someone that's popular the way that he is he was going to have a ton of advocates in that room as soon as that job opened up and so like in no way is that a bad thing you, you want the the guy that takes that job to be well liked but also that there, there are some uh, some pitfalls with that, right? Some some danger zone things of of just how you handle that, um, how you make that higher. James Franklin himself, right? I mean, it, it becomes a little bit of his own mind games of like, hey, I'm looking at this candidate and I I know all of the things that he brings to the table. He he furthered those in the interview process. Like all all of that is great stuff, but also yeah, you have to you have to bridge that gap of, yeah, but of course everybody likes him. Of of course, uh, you know, he, he's already in that room. Of course, of course, of course, of course, uh, that, that I think that James Franklin had to get past before he got comfortable making that decision. But, you know, it's just, it's just interesting. It's just a, it's just an interesting, different, you know, dynamic from what you might typically see. Although Penn state has, pretty much an, a, a duplicate or a carbon copy example in Ty Howell doing the, yeah. really kind of the same thing. So it's not like it's, it's not like it's totally out of left field. It's just, it's just interesting. Ben gives his thought here, um, kind of summarizing what James Franklin had to say, just like you said with Ty Howell and James Franklin mentioned having a lot of Letterman in the program, something he's very proud of. But Ben says, I do think his comment was meant to say that just graduating and playing for James Franklin doesn't automatically get him the job. Uh, a very fair comment there. Fitz, uh, you want to wrap this up for us and we'll get to our next uh, between the lines comment? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's a factor, like it's a data point where you, you know, the Penn State connection helps. It's, it didn't get him this job. And I don't think that it's, you know, I, I, his his Penn State connection of being a graduate assistant and being well liked and doing all the things that he did in the program for the last three years far outweighed any other Penn State connection he had as a graduate, as a former player, all that kind of stuff. So. James likes to hire Penn State people because, believe it or not, and I know a lot of people don't like to hear this, he does like to connect to the past in this program. And I think it, he knows it's very important. Uh, you know, he's got, you know, he brought Terry on from the start. He's brought Calvin Lowry in this offseason. Dan Connors in the building. There's a lot of guys that have these connections. Um, but also those guys bring something else to the table. You know, it's not just, they're not just, it just doesn't say Penn State grad on their re resume. So, I think that uh, that helps. It's not uh, it's not a be all end all. It's not something that I think pushes anything over the line. Um, but it's nice to have that connection, and it's nice to do it. But yeah, I, I I don't think that his playing days and his you know the, the the signature on his diploma or whatever says much about how how much or how much that had to do with his uh, his hiring here. Uh, the rev so the reviews are in, guys. Steve says. Love the morning shows. Put this on a graphic with some big sweeping letters. Love the morning shows. Mike says this is so much better than 7 p.m. So BWI wow. live in the morning is catching fire. 
Nate awesome. has several different accounts that he's posting from right now. So. <laughs> like a like a nine thirty does it need to be seven a.m. What? <laughs> Just asking, folks. Yeah, we, we want to know what's a good time for you, and we'll try to make all that work. So, like I said at the top of the show, um, what time would you like to see this show live? We are taking open suggestions uh we'll be doing that to try and pin down what the best time is for everybody let's get on to our next uh question or in our next comment here and we are traveling all the way to the far-flung land from defensive line coach to defensive tackles we are never going to chase size for size sake that's where leanne our nutritionist and that's where chuck losey the strength coach all of our weights um, are based on body composition. So if you got a guy who's naturally a high body fat guy, we're not going to ask him to put on weight because he's most likely naturally just going to put on more body fat. Um, and we have a range really for every position based on not only our college experience, but also if you look at the NFL draft, what those numbers are. Uh, so we got a pretty good range of are you in an acceptable range where you should be? And if you're on the low end, then you should be able to carry more weight. And we obviously always want it to be lean mass. If you're carrying lean mass, it should actually make you more athletic. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to gain weight and reduce body fat at the same time, which is easier said than done. That's also why we're really putting the emphasis on doing it in the off season because we don't want to be messing with it during the season. And that's where if you can gain a pound every week or a pound every two weeks or every three weeks and just gradually put it on the right way throughout the season, that's, that's what we want. But no, it's, it's not chasing size for the sake of size. Now there's a, there's a ton of different ways and there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, we can go with. But I guess the first thing is, in reading between the lines, he also said at a different point, I think we can get more effort from our defensive tackles. I think there's another level of what we can get from them. And if you you look at those comments of what he said, gain a pound a week, gain a pound a week, gain a pound a week, uh, and then you go and you look at the roster and you look at uh, guys losing weight and being on the low end of that spectrum, I think you can clearly see what this frustration of wanting to be bigger is about, because it's not about being 300 pounds. And this is where I think it's important for fans to understand. It's not about putting as much weight on as possible. It's about putting as much good weight on as possible. And Penn State may still be undersized for the defensive tackle position with the guys on the roster. But right now, it doesn't seem like they're maximizing their size potential. Uh, Fitz, is that a fair way to read what he was saying there? I look at the bodies in there and I don't see anybody that's like on par with PJ in terms of a guy that can put all that weight on because you right now you've got a bunch of three techniques across the board, basically. Yep. Um, and that varies from Zane Durant uh, to, I guess the biggest one would be Caleb Artis, but Caleb Artis is not ready to go yet. So, I mean, he's just a, a bigger body. So um, I, I don't know that. I, I think there's probably too much focus on the weight, especially in March. You know, this is yep. the, the, the body's, fluctuate that's what they do um and, and it's not important to have the weight on right now the problem and i know it's been pointed out here in the chat is not the problem but the hakeem beeman is such a ridiculous outlier at 256 i think it is right now yeah. um 
you can't explain that one like that. That is so tough to explain because he's been up and down, mostly down. He does this every year. We talk about this every year. I've tried to stop explaining it because I don't know like the, the genesis of why he needs to be 260 pounds. Can he not carry it? I mean, you look back, um, Ryan Buckholz got up to 270, 275, something like that. He had yeah. back issues because of it. I don't know if that's a, a, a situation that Beeman's dealing with, but um, it's not a situation where he's cutting weight specifically to play defensive end. I know it's been speculated in the past. It's not, that's not how it works. Um, so I, I can't explain it, but I can probably try and pinpoint what it's not. And that's what it's not. So, yeah. um, I think we're taking too much from the getting bigger conversation after the Michigan. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into that. It's not s- simply just taking guys that are 315 pounds and putting them in there. There's a lot of guys that Penn state could recruit that don't fit that athletic profile, what they're looking for. It's yeah. athleticism before size every time there's not, okay. it's not even close. Um, so I, I, I just, I have a tough time separating Beeman from the rest, or excuse me, putting Beeman with the rest of the defense tackles. Ideally, what they're going to go for with this roster makeup, they're going to get a bunch of guys that are near 300 pounds. So your Vandenbergs, your Izzards, um, yep. you know, you've got some some other guys to work with. That's why they wanted a guy in the portal to try and counterbalance what they've got with Beeman and line those guys up, be interchangeable, play one and three, do different things with those guys. Um, just because of that, that's your roster composition right now. This is in the NFL. You can't go out and sign a 325 pound one tech, you know, it's just yep. not happening. So it's playing the, the cards that you're dealt. And yes, you're partially responsible or, or greatly responsible for the guys that you have in that room. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's doing it where it's not a deterrent for some of these guys. So if you put 310 pounds on Kazai Izzard, he's not the same player and it's right. not good for your defensive line. So I think that's kind of what he's trying to say um, in terms of, we need to get bigger, but at the same time, we need to, you know, not, not forget what we are up front, which is an athletic group that is trying to compete with Ohio state and, you know, got caught out of place last year with Michigan in more ways than one. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, it comes back to recruiting, right? Because you said there's guys with the body type of 300-pound uh, big guy in the middle that doesn't have the athleticism. Uh, and this is this is the rub. You A guy that is naturally going to run around athletically at 300-plus pounds, those guys are hard to find. So how do you maximize? Uh, and this is where he, he mentioned it again. I wish we were a little bit bigger, but he didn't harp on that. Uh, during his comments earlier, and when I asked him about his philosophy of how to how to gain that size, you know, it, it to me, you, we call what it is. You you mentioned that Beeman is an outlier here of maximizing your size, maximizing the healthy amount of size you can put on your your frame, and then he goes on to talk about Aaron Donald and how everyone wants to be lean and fast and Aaron Donald, and it, this is. I got to imagine this is more than one player over time. This has been something that's been building up over time. Nate, you're shaking your head about that. Yeah, no, it's like it's there are very clearly, and he's not going to name them specifically, but there are clearly examples of guys that they've had specific weight plan paths for blueprints for, that have gone in a different direction on their own accord, mm-hmm. right? Like th- through through his. I mean, that's what's that's what's happening. Is this is just this is just shade throwing from without naming names. <laughs> it's just like, hey, well, you know, everybody's convinced. I mean, this is this is not the first time that these comments like have happened, right? Yeah, they they happened at Michigan last year, but there were other comments in in prior seasons of players that were going through 
similar situations. And it's, you know, like, can I sit here and give great insight into exactly who and exactly when? No, but part of that conversation is always on the end of, oh, they're like, it's a resentment, I think, of players listening to voices outside of the building yeah. more than they're listening to to the, the voices inside the building. And that's, if you're, if you're a head coach or if you're a strength coach or if you're a nutritionist or whatever, if you're any of those people, very clearly you have a deep resentment of that. And I think that in college football coaching, that is one of the hardest things to do. It is, it is, I, I mean, I will say this just because basketball is on my brain right now, but it is way easier to deal with 16 players and their families and their handlers and their trainers than it is 125 yeah. by a long shot. We'll be doing more with Between the Lines on upcoming shows. So subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube. Hit notifications so you never miss an episode. Now we got our new, another segment, which is not a new segment. It is a longtime favorite. We're going to get to the mailbag. got a couple minutes left in the show so we've got uh we're going to answer two questions and we're going to be doing this live on the show because i didn't get a chance to talk to everybody pre-show uh we've got i've got one question selected but we've got a couple here in the document um so fitz i want you to pick your favorite after we get to uh nate's question and then i'd like to answer some from the chat so if you've got a question about penn state football maybe penn state basketball throw it in the chat but because of our time constraints, we're not going to be able to get to everybody. So a uh, great way for me to notice your question is to donate a super chat. And I'm not trying to panhandle, but also I'm trying to panhandle. So let's get to our first question coming. Uh, Nate, this is about basketball. It's from Fur Dog in the BWI message board. What is the percentage likelihood that Micah Shrewsbury is coaching for Penn State basketball next year? And I will give you the option of giving the and why. But he says and oh. why full stop. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you know, uh, I would say it's anywhere between 49 and 51%. Like that range feels right to me. Uh, <laughs> so, so either yes or no. <laughs> either yes or, no. Or, or maybe. I've, I've gone with this for a long time. Percentage. They're so dumb. Just yeah. Everybody's percentage is different. Your 50% means different than my 50%. That's why we don't do this in the recruiting uh, realm. So that's that's just my venting on that. Let me, I'll entertain the question. Because we know what he's really asking, right? Is what, is he going to stay or is he not going to stay? I think that it is to be determined. And I think that these are things that work themselves. Put it this way. I don't think that any of the offers or any of the interest that has come thus far has been so overwhelming as to shut the door on Penn State. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. that's an important place to start is it's not as though we're saying, well, Micah Shrewsbury got an offer from Notre Dame. He wants to go live in Indiana. And so it is a cut and dry, the, the, you know, the whatever the resources are, whatever the NIL is whatever the assistant coaching salary pool is, his personal salary, like all of those things, I don't think have created a situation where it's just like, oh, he's gone. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he's gone. 
But I will sit here and say he has things to think about. Mm. And and the reality of what his answer was yesterday is he doesn't want to think about them right now. <laughs> right? Like that's that's it, is he doesn't want to think about them right now. He wants to go play and win a basketball game in the NCAA tournament. So like that's that's an important starting point point i i mean i will share that i think the trend from penn state side of things has been positive and if you want my full answer i'll be totally honest you got to go to our message board it's ten dollars for four months you got to pay for it because there's real insight there but i i will offer that that the that the direction which i would have argued was not great in the middle to the end of the season in terms of the commitments that Penn state was making to the program have since changed. Right. And I'm not going to call it a a flat out pivot, but it's been better. It's been better than it was. And that's important, right? That's an, that's an important uh, ingredient to being able for Penn state to be able to retain Michael Shrewsbury. There, there's so much stuff that goes into it. I don't. I don't want to sit here and act like I'm inside Michael Shrewsbury's brain. I'm not. But what I can get is, uh, you know, kind of a full perspective of all of the different things that go into this, the things that he has to consider, and is it is it totally like on Penn State side in this case? No, it's not. It's not. There's there is work that had to be done and has been done and work that continues uh, to need to be done. So here you are. It's March 16th. Guess what? Whatever happens with Micah Shrewsbury next year has time to be resolved, but what doesn't have time to be resolved is beating Texas A&M at yeah. midnight tonight. <laughs> That's uh, another thing I wanted to say is like, it's March 16th, and we're having this conversation. First off, we're having this conversation about a Penn State basketball coach of being desired other places. And secondarily, it's the middle of March, and they're still playing. I mean, Fitz has got his March Madness shirt on. Look at that. This Here is a director's item. Thank you very much. This is the 2020 NCAA tournament shirt that uh, never happened. They should have gone, but never happened. That's got to be worth some money. That's got to be worth some money. Uh, At the Penn State bookstore. I don't, they didn't know what they had, so. Gotcha. <laughs> Quick question here from the chat. Um, this is from Robert. He says, "Does has denied, denied Dennis Sutton, bulked up enough to play inside. Uh, not full-time, but James Franklin mentioned some things they could do in the pass rush this year. Fitz, would you agree that maybe on pass rushing downs, you could have three defensive ends on the field with Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson, and Deny possibly rushing from the inside at 260-plus? He's bigger than Beeman at this point. I think that's a probability to be honest with you. Like they've done that in the past where they, you know, set those three guys up in the front and go after it. And deny is big enough to, you know, handle the minute chance that somebody's going to run. And we're talking like third and eight and more. So like, yeah. this is not a situation where you're, you know, asking him to stop the run, but yeah, he is what two sixty some right now. He's big guy, um, but he's, he's not an, an every down player inside, but he will slide down and they've had some success with that. So I'm excited, excited to see that. Also excited to see the counterbalance there. Uh, do you use Deny Dennis Sutton in that in that realm? Do you use Zane Durant in that situation? They did it with Zane Durant yeah. in the Rose Bowl and at the end of the season this year and had some success with it. So excited to see the pass rushing capabilities of the young guys that you can just kind of put in there and let them go from the interior. 
Yeah, that's a good problem. I've been trying to work that through my head of like, okay, who comes off the field or who goes on the field if you've got Deny and Zane, who was rushing from uh, the zero technique and some of those uh, pass rushing stunts and, and got a couple sacks from there. So productive last year. Do you do you want to change that up? Maybe you go down with a four down front. They they have so many options now. Fitz, where are we going with our last question here from uh, the message board? Uh, let's talk about uh, offensive linemen there. Uh, okay. Here we go. So we've got, this is from Brian Reince. It seems like Wormley may be a good fit at center and that would allow Vega Ioane to play guard. What are your thoughts? Let's start with that one, Fitz. I actually think that uh, both of those guys can play center and uh, we be more apt to see Vega there right now um, just because you expect Wormley to be that full-time right guard. So when you're moving those pieces, you want to move your second guy a little bit more. But I think both of those guys will get snaps at center. Uh, Hunter, Hunter Norzad, James Franklin confirmed the other day, not full go to start spring. So you're going to have to play around with that. Obviously, Landon Tangwall, not full go to start spring. So that's three of, or excuse me, two of your top five guys. So you're going to have to play Vega uh, not out of position, but you're going to have to move him around. You're going to have to move uh, uh, Wormley around a little bit and get both of those guys some quality experience. So um, I think I, I would lean toward Wormley as the emergency center if we're going to go that way. Uh, I know we talked about Dawkins the other day, but Dawkins is coming off an injury as well. Um, but I would lean toward if a situation happens where one of those guys or, or Norzad specifically would go down in a, during a game, you slide warmly to center, you put Vega in at guard. You're asking a little bit less of the redshirt freshman to put him at le or put him at right guard than putting him at center and having him make the call. So I think that makes a lot of sense uh, from that standpoint. So let me ask you a follow up question to this, and let's rewind a little bit more than a year ago, where Hunter Norzad is choosing between Penn State and Auburn, and he chooses the Nittany Lions, a huge win in, in the transfer portal. And basically since then, Penn State fans have disregarded him as a, as a player, it feels like. When we get these questions, it's like, do you trust him at center? Is he any good? What You know, all on this line of questions. So do you trust him to play center? He seems to be the guy that is the top-line center. And what did you? What, what is it that's making fans hesitant about his play? Well, you look at, he got overpowered last year. I mean, that was a big uh, jump for him from that level to Penn State's level. And I will say, you mentioned Auburn. The thing that I took away from Hunter Norzad's uh, recruitment, it wasn't quite Auburn. It was more uh, Illinois and Iowa were the two other ones. Illinois and Iowa know what they're looking for in offensive linemen. Like that, yeah. those are, Br Brett Bielema knows what an offensive lineman looks like. I know it's Illinois, so you're not going to equate those on the, on the, the pantheon of Penn State, but Brett Bielema knows what he's looking at, ask, you know, put on that tape from a couple of years ago. Um, you can see why. Um, so I, I, I take those evaluations and, you know, Bogart them as my own. Uh, but uh, no, I think, I think he can play center. He's got the length to do it. This is not Mike Miranda. No, no disrespect to Mike Miranda. His, his arms are long enough. You know, he's, he's not going to get beat with the reach and things like that. Like Miranda was. Um, so I think that that's probably like the, the, the PTSD there with Penn state fans is they don't think that he, they saw him get pushed back against Auburn against a couple of these other teams on the schedule. Um, and they're, you know, not optimistic about it, but I think, he, I think he can handle it. I think it's a, you know, he's, he's a smart guy. He can make the calls um, and he can, he can hold up there. He's a strong guy. Um, he's uh, an athletic guy. He was playing on one wheel essentially for most of the right. season. I think that's, that's why he's big... not really practicing this spring. So like, yeah. it, I don't know that we saw him healthy. What was it? The Ohio game when he got hurt? Yeah. Like week Second two? Game of the season got so, rolled yeah. up on. 
So the I'm not here for the the Norzad hate. To be honest with you, I think he's capable. I think he's fine with it. Um, we'll see what happens with the the other guys around him. I, I am. I will say while I'm you know confident in that, I am excited to see what Vega can do if they put him at center because that's a this is such a different body than we're used to seeing, Isn't especially at Penn State uh, as a center. So um, I'm I'm curious that I think they've got five options for the interior. I think that's perfectly fine. You get three options for the for the uh, tackle spot and eight guys. That's that's good. So. Um, I think that he'll be fine at center. Um, he's got, uh, like I said, he's got the 33 inch arms. He doesn't have the 30 inch arms and that stuff matters in the sense that not only can he reach the guy, can he reach a linebacker? Can he, can he move around? Is he athletic enough to do so? Yes. But also he's, he's pretty strong and you know, he's, he's a smart guy. Yeah. I, I think that that's a huge part of the conversation that people, when we have this, when we do this, like we're forgetting he was injured and playing through injury and no one wants to give people credit for that at this point because he was not performing to the level of their expectations. But that's a reality that when you get rolled up on and the number of injuries, it can be at the ankle, the knee, any of those places when, when that happens, and then you take some time off, come back, clearly not full strength. This is, this is part of the conversation that I had with uh, Chuck Losey that I probably asked the question wrong, but like when you don't, lift in the off season and you are not part of that fully like you can't squat can you make up that time of muscle gain and strength in the off season because there's a couple of offensive linemen that are in that situation right now that you detailed what is the expectation for their level of performance not that they are good because their technique and all that stuff make them good but what is the level of taking the ball and, and advancing it downfield from their play perspective and and being injured clearly inhibited what we were we could see from Hunter Norzad. I still expect both those guys to be better this year than what we saw last year. Uh, well, any final I mean, thoughts, I mean, the guys? Thing, the thing, the thing there before we move on. What do you expect Penn State's record to be in March and April? Zero and zero. There's no games. Get healthy. Yeah. Get back. Do what you got to do. Um, I don't expect Hunter to be an All American, but you know, I think I think he's capable of, of going in there and, and making it work in the fall. He's been around for a while his base strength is there's a lot to work with there, but yeah, you're yeah. right. You've got to work that lower body once you get healthy. And then when you get healthy, you make it work. Yep. Uh, guys, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully you enjoyed the show as well. Uh, please like the video, please subscribe to blue eyed illustrated on YouTube. Always appreciate everyone showing up today. Uh, guys, any final thoughts, Nate, anything you want to give uh, about basketball tonight coverage? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll have a preview and I think maybe you and I can talk about it off air but there's probably going to be a podcast between now and and the start of the game so we'll uh we'll, we'll chat a little bit about it and see where what, what penn state does i the problem is i'm not uh an actual early morning shock jock with the meow, 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 because i actually hate that sound uh but yeah there's some news for you check out a uh, uh, hoop show coming up today as well fits anything last any last words for you no i said good things about nate's coverage the other day when he was not here i'm not going to say it while he's on the air <laughs> well, good enough that'll totally do it for, the, for the bwi live show i'm thomas frank carr uh once again if you're watching this show on replay and you want to join live what's the time in the morning that works for you we'll be uh getting that information we'll be asking our uh loyal subscribers at bluewhiteillustrated.com as well and if you want to get it on that 10 bucks for four months of access we'll talk to you next time Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, 
It's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-420-47 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 